Sometimes things move just a bit too quickly. So no sooner had we stopped talking about how we might see the pound falling if Boris Johnson makes it past the first round of that UK reality TV show, which is Who Wants to Become the Next Prime Minister? No sooner had we published this podcast than Boris pulled out. So it looks like now Rishi Sunak is going to be the UK Prime Minister and the pound is already rising. So you can ignore the second bit of this podcast where we talk about all that stuff. The rest of it still makes sense, though. So quite a bit of optimism in the United States. Equities were rising on Friday and there are so many earnings results this week to buoy that mood a little more alongside a Fed that might be taking their foot off the pedal a little bit. So a lower path of rates, perhaps. Well, perhaps. We'll see how long that lasts. Meanwhile, midnight tonight, Sydney and Melbourne time. That's when we find out how many delegates are hoping to be the next British Prime Minister. If it's Rishi, well, not exciting, but at least a safe pair of hands. If it's Boris, well, what's that going to do to the pound and gilt yields? It's all fun and games over there, isn't it, today? It's Monday, the 24th of October, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. equities finished on a strong note last week. Maybe that'll carry through to this week. The Dow uh, up almost 2.5% on Friday and 4.9% over the week. The Nasdaq did even better, gaining 5.2% across the week. It finished 2.3% up on Friday. And the S&P, also a good day, finishing off a week that saw it gain 4.7%. Against all of that, well, the ASX 200 fell 2.3% last week. And the Aussie 10-year bond yields uh, up 14 basis points on Friday, 19 across the week, just under 10-year treasuries, which gained 20 basis points last week. UK 10-year gilts tried to gain some element of normalcy, which saw them fall back 28 basis points, down to 4.05%, because they were 2% in the middle of August. So they've gone way up, they're coming back down, uh, and uh, we saw 30-year gilt yields hit hard by their budget crisis. Well, 30-year yields in the US climbed over 34 basis points last week, but two years on Friday fell almost 14 basis points. So make of that what you will. And currency-wise, well, a slightly less strong US dollar, the DXY, down 0.8% on Friday and 1.2% over the week. The biggest gain on the week, the Kiwi dollar, up 3.4%. The Aussie dollar, up 2.9%. The Aussie was up 1.6% of that on Friday, uh, beaten only just by rising yen at long last. It was up 1.7%. So maybe the US dollar has finished it's never-ending climb, and it's going to give everyone else a chance. Well, let's see. Here's Nabs Ray Atrill. Uh, actually, the Aussie doing well uh, last week, despite quite a fall in commodities. Iron ore losing 3% last week, coal down quite a bit as well. But this obviously is more to do with the fall in the US dollar, which is to do with the fall in the expectations of rises by the Fed. And we had Mary Daly uh, presumably, this is why the US dollar is down. Uh, that is, you know, talking down the, the the speed at which the Fed might actually be hiking. Yeah, morning, Phil. Um, you know, I think the bottom line of those currency moves is that uh, Aussie is still one of the most sensitive of the major currencies mm. to swings in risk sentiment, and we had a quite um, quite dramatic turnaround in certainly US equity fortunes um, between where we left yeah. them on Friday morning and where they finished in Wall Street on uh, on Friday night. Um, and to your question as to whether or not the dollar has peaked well it's pretty clear that uh, you know as soon as markets can see the, the the whites of the eyes of a peak in the US Fed funds rate um, you know then that will probably almost certainly mark a peak in the US dollar and you mentioned Mary Daly who um, you know was out saying that um, the time is now to start planning for stepping down 
the pace yeah. of rate hikes, but um, they avoiding along. an unforced downturn. <laughs> she said, didn't she? In other words, you know, have they? You know, she she was putting the the question mark. Have they gone too far, or are they at the point where they they could go too far if they keep on at this current rate? No, absolutely, and uh, and and sort of related to that, we had a um, a column from or a tweet initially, followed by a column from the Wall Street Journal's Fed watcher Nick Timmy Reyes, um, who has not been wrong about the Fed um, for all the time mm. he's been in the chair as the Wall Street Journal's economics editor, um, who said that some officials are more eager to cal- some plural note are more eager to calibrate their rate settings to reduce the risks of over-tightening. But he qualified that, saying the Fed doesn't want to dramatically loosen financial conditions if and when they hike by 50 basis points rather than the 75 that uh, markets were gearing up for, not just in November than December. And he said the meeting could allow officials to get aligned on next steps. So um, it does seem as though, you know, uh, um, sentiment is brewing for only a 50 basis point increase in December following a widely expected 75 per basis point move in November. But, um, you know, reading the, the Timmy Reyes comments in full, you know, they may want to qualify a step down to 50 by, for example, um, actually increasing their the median dot as far as 2023 is concerned. So um, it's possible that we'll get a so-called hawkish 50 in December. So, um, but anyway, the sentiments of... uh, So in other words, it's going to go long. It's going to rise slower, but it's going to last longer. Is that what you're saying? Which which would be a challenge to the view that the US dollar has necessarily peaked because I think the market Mm. wants to see that one side or other of year end we're you know we're done um now the market will cling to its view that as soon as they're done you know rate cuts will be arriving within sort of six to nine months which is not a message that the fed has been willing to impart um at this stage at least anyway but um so what's what's driven this change in sentiment then this this easing off a little bit because i mean last week we you know it was you know early in the week it was quite the opposite wasn't it and we were looking at data and we were saying there's nothing here to indicate that uh, that things are easy off the labour market is still tight. For example, uh, you know there's quite a lot of resilience still in the economy. So what's what's changed the the, the expectation? Um, well, it, it's difficult to say really, and, and and who knows whether or not it will be true. But I think you know, and certainly as we've heard down here from the RBA with that sort of tilt or whatever you want to call it, or pivot towards 25 point incremental moves, it's just the mm. sheer speed with which policy has been tightened in uh, in many countries, and the fact that uh, you know central banks are pretty confident that they've now moved or certainly in the US clearly into restrictive territory and uh, you know bearing yeah. in mind that there is still must be some faith still in, in the lags involved between tightening policy and it's showing up in, in the real economy and then inflation uh, maybe they are feeling that uh, you know we have done enough and, and we're willing to give you know inflation numbers the benefit of the doubt that they will be coming down but you know we're only one or two new upside surprises away as far as cpi is concerned and Absolutely. all bets, and all bets yeah. will be off so um you know market yeah. clearly so cut, touching at a, at a couple of maybe quite long straws on uh, on friday yeah. with and watch the, in the meantime watch the numbers so we had like, like we had retail sales in canada strong on friday up 0.7 percent in, in august so it's you know pretty old i guess those numbers despite you know the fact that they were front-loading their rate hikes. In the UK, the other way around, we got a 1.4% fall in retail, but that was September, so more recent numbers. So maybe Canada's going to take a slide a month later too, who knows? But it shows, you know, the numbers are all over the place. But those Canada retail numbers going back to August, still strong, despite the fact interest rates were high. And, you know, house prices have fallen in Canada, but not a huge amount. 
despite the fact, you know, they've got, what, uh, close to 5% uh, five-year fixed mm-hmm. mortgage rates yeah. there now. Well, all that but to say, Bank of Canada meets on Wednesday, isn't it? Wednesday night, yeah. our time, and the market is now saying you will definitely do 75 basis points. If you go back before the CPI numbers, the market was better priced for 50. So that just shows mm. that this, you know, going the other way. if 75 yeah. is the new 50, then it's really being governed by the inflation numbers. So apropos, you know, what next month's US CPI numbers could certainly put the kibosh on thoughts of a step down from the Fed in December, couldn't they? Mm. Now, the UK uh, card. <laughs> All eyes are going to be on there today. Uh, the direction of the pound, I imagine, will be quite sensitive to what happens today. Also, UK gilt yields, because... It's all to do with Boris, isn't it? If Boris gets 100 votes, so they have to get 100 votes to be in with a chance of uh, running for the race of being the next prime minister. And it is a race because it's all going to be decided by Friday. Possibly it'll all be decided today uh, if there's only one person uh, left in the race. But you've got to get 100 votes. So far, there's only one, Rishi Sunak, who's put his name in the uh, in the ring. Uh, we don't know about Boris, but if Boris gets 100 and it goes to popular vote, there's every amongst the Tory party members... We'd have to wait to Friday to find out, but there's every chance that Boris would win that vote, and that would make the markets pretty nervous, I would have thought. Well, they certainly showed some signs of nerves on uh, late in our day, on Friday, certainly, mm-hmm. with yeah. the uh, the prospect of, of Boris, you know, flying back from, where was he? Dominican Republic for his holiday, something like that, mm. wasn't it? Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and telling, anybody, telling anybody who wanted to know that, uh, that he wants to run, Jacob Rees-Mogg has, has clearly, you know, um, aligned himself with uh, with the Boris fan club there, and and Mark mm. is rightly unsettled because if you wanted to think, you know, which would be the least unifying candidate as far as the Conservative Party is concerned, I think most people would uh, would probably say that's that's Boris and Rishi Sunak. You yeah. know, you know whether he'd be good or bad for the economy. I think it's considered to be well a bit of a known quantity. Um, you know, we know that there's sort of the fiscal profligacy that uh, um, that uh, that. Mrs. Truss and uh, Kwasi Kwarteng were proposing, uh, we're going to have something that looks almost the complete opposite of that. And, you know, so from a, from a gilt market point of view, and, and maybe even Sterling in the short run, that would be seen as positive and doesn't look as though Paddy Morden is, is going to get those 100 votes necessary. So we might know at midnight Australia time tonight, because that's 2 p.m. London time, um, yeah. whether or not anybody other than Rishi has got that uh, requisite 100 votes. And if the answer is no, then presumably he's, uh, he's PM come Monday night. Um, and if yeah. uh, one or other gets 100, big... then it's, it's, it looks like it's going to run all the way to, uh, to Friday. And I think markets are going to uh, remain pretty, uh, pretty choppy as far as uh, all things UK and Sterling. Well, then, yeah, because if it is Boris, then, you know, the, he's got this inquiry into misleading Parliament over Partygate. If that happens, I mean, he could be slung out as Prime Minister. I mean, so, you know, it could be back to another one before Good. Christmas. I mean, you know, it makes, that's right. It, uh, it makes Rudd Gillard Rudd look, uh, you know, like just a stable democracy, doesn't it? We go Johnson Trust, Johnson Sunak, all in one year. But anyway, I did see uh, someone. I did, I did see someone quipping. I don't know why they keep taking this lectern back into number ten. Why don't they just leave it out there for? Uh yeah. And save somebody been... the, uh, the the waste of calories for lubbing it in and out. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, uh, they have to watch what's happening in China. Just one leader for a long, long time. So President Xi has claimed his third term as leader after the 20th Party Congress. So he's uh, stacking his inner sanctum, the Politburo, 
the standing committee there with his most staunch supporters, possibly forever, because uh, he's changed the rules, of course, that, you know, you couldn't stand for more than two terms. So, I mean, are there going to be any consequences to that? I mean, it, it depends on how he uses his power, doesn't it, really, for good or for evil? I mean, he's got a nice message from Vladimir Putin, so he's got to be happy about that. But, I mean... Uh, um, I, should we have any interest in that, or is it just an uh, interesting background? Oh, I, I certainly think we. I certainly think we will. But I think the, the essential point is, and then pretty much as expected, we haven't seen any major policy initiatives yeah. uh, announced during the Congress or following the conclusion of that and confirmation of uh, President Xi's um, appointment, lifetime appointment, if that's in reality what it is. Um, and obviously, the you know a key key point of interest now will be that obviously those Q three GDP numbers yeah. and the can be released now. numbers and the trade numbers um, and the, the fact that they weren't released is obviously you know bred the suspicion that they aren't going to make good reading when they are released. So that's obviously going to be a focal point. But um, you know, and, and I guess more especially, no indication whatsoever of. Um, of any relaxation of zero COVID rules for the time being, other than perhaps some reduction in uh, the quarantine requirements for those coming into the country. So I think it's sort of, you know, nothing to nothing to see here for the time being, at least, other than perhaps, you know, what those uh, those near term economic numbers show and, and yeah. what that means for the currency. I mean, we had the dollar against the Chinese yuan um, up to the recent highs of 7.25 on Friday. There was a view maybe that um, stability in, in currencies and other markets was going to be the watchword during the uh, the NPC. So now that's out of the way, um, you know, maybe this sort of US dollar softness will spare us another look above there. But that obviously is still the risk, which does have some read throughs to, uh, to the Australian dollar. And what about uh, the flash PMIs that we get today? So France, Germany, the euro area, the UK, the US, obviously Europe is faring somewhat worse than the US. I mean, the UK managed to get uh, 50 for their services PMI, just about the only number on that side of the Atlantic that uh, managed to, uh, you know, to at least reach 50. So not quite a contraction, but everything else was on the way down, wasn't it? But uh, I mean, the market's responsive to this. It seems like now we're just, you know, stuck on what a central bank's going to do next. And these are sort of like secondary concerns, really. Well, I still think that relativities matter when it comes to these PMIs. And I think they're the best single sort of snapshot of, you know, how are you doing compared to your uh, your compatriots? And, and obviously, the when it comes to the US, it's those ISM ones that are far more telling and, and they're still showing, um, you know, strong levels of activity, particularly in services. So for the so it's the European ones that will garner the most attention. Um, and just looking at the pan eurozone, looking at Germany, looking at the UK, all of the Indicators, whether it's services or manufacturing, are seen uh, softer than the um, right. September readings, and I think all sub fifty. So that um, so does that mean central banks UK reading? Does that mean central banks ease off then? No, because they're all in on inflation. Um, well, you know, unless you think that the Fed is about to blink and uh, you know it's going to step down the pace of increase, then uh, you know that's perhaps showing some, you know, at least some sop to uh, to potential economic weakness. But um, you know, the message from central banks is, you know, we've got to get inflation down, and uh, and that economic weakness and softening in the labour market is is sadly, you know, part of the solution, not uh, yeah. not the problem, if you like, in terms of. Uh, what has to happen to get inflation down? So we've got the ECB on Thursday. We've got the Bank of Japan on Friday. US GDP on Thursday. We've got the Aussie budget tomorrow. Uh, Jim Chalmers has uh, mm -hmm. already been saying we should expect real wages are going to go down. Inflation expected at seven and three quarter percent by December. Um, 
but it's going to be a family right, so. going to be a family friendly budget so the whole family can sit down and watch that's nice isn't it <laughs> uh, and uh, look the, it, <laughs> we'll talk about all of that tomorrow of course but look earnings results as well that's the other thing I mean this is obviously what's been helping equities along quite a bit and there's a whole slug of them I think it's a third of the S&P reports this week doesn't it and a lot of big tech names so tomorrow Alphabet Microsoft uh, then General Motors and uh, Coca-Cola uh, General Electric Apple and Amazon later on in the week. Uh, Intel, mm-hmm. McDonald's, Ford, Boeing, Chevron. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's right. two hundred. Two hundred of the five hundred, I think. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, forty percent, isn't it? And, uh, and so, but I think it's you know Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, and um, um, who's the other one? Alphabet, basically. Mm. So they're the big. I think they're the biggest four uh, companies by market cap, aren't they? Yeah. Maybe Elon Musk is in there, but um, so I think that that is going to be uh, that is going to be really important. And as you say, generally speaking, um, you know, equity markets have weathered the earnings season pretty well so far. So let's see if, uh, if that is still the case to come the end of this week. Yeah, more U.S. dominance in the markets. It's astonishing, isn't it? Uh, we'll leave it there for now. Uh, we'll catch you again very soon. Thanks, Ray. Will do. Thanks, Phil. <laughs> do you like the way I say a US dominance in the markets as though it's something new? That's it for today. That is the morning call kicking off what is going to be an interesting week. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.